Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. You're not going to just get his sound. You need his fingers and his hands and his head to get. It's not just a guitar. Thing. Well, that's you know, the thing. If you give him it? a job on a mass of Les Paul, he's not going to suddenly sound like Eric Johnson, is he? So. No. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Joe Bonamassa. <laughs> I had a little dig, but... <laughs> implying that Joe Bonamassa doesn't sound like Joe Bonamassa. That's, that's, that's harsh. That's, that's, that's harsh. brutal. I feel bad. That is brutal. I, really loved, I really brutal. love Joe Bonamassa. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Guitar Smarts Podcast. Thank you very much for downloading. For quite a few decades now, many guitar manufacturers have honoured some of their most famous users with signature instruments. Arguably the oldest signature instrument is the Gibson Les Paul, which has evolved into a whole range of guitars. For some guitarists, a signature guitar is a representation of what they prefer in a standard instrument, and for some it's more of a custom design tool made to give them the functionality that they need. Are they a marketing tool or a cash cow for some manufacturers, or do they represent a genuine option on the path to sonic freedom for the average Joe guitarist. That's what we're discussing this week. Signature guitars, are they any good? Are they worth it? What are the good ones? What are the bad ones? Come and join us on our social media pages. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash guitar smarts and we're on Instagram as well. You can find us there at guitar underscore smarts and also please uh, before you go on to the podcast um, one of the things that really helps us quite a lot is if you rate and review our podcast. Um, It doesn't take very long to do it and in fact to make it easier I've left links in the show notes for the podcast Uh, you just need to click on those links and you'll get taken to the page where you can leave us a review or a rating and that helps us to appear in more searches for guitar related podcasts anyway that's enough waffle from me let's get to it Kieran, how you doing, mate? You well? Yeah, really good, Matt. Really good. Lovely to speak to you. Yeah, you too, mate. It's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Because we've, uh, we've uh, other things have been getting in the way. But um, what's what's new with you? What have you been doing over the last couple of weeks, guitar wise? Uh, yeah, so a uh, bit of practicing, uh, which is always good. A uh, bit of rehearsing with this uh, new band that I've joined, this new rock band, and we have our we've got our first gig tonight in Southampton, uh, UK. So yeah, I'm out gigging tonight, which feels incredibly strange after wow. this lockdown period. Uh, first gig with a new band uh, and a venue that I haven't played before, which is on a marina somewhere in Southampton, and um, 
uh, it's an outdoor stage, uh, obviously, because we're still pretty yeah. much within the lockdown rules, but things are starting to get back to normal. But mm. yeah, live music is still outside. So I'm praying that it's going to stay dry because I don't fancy playing in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopefully I won't need a coat either, but you know, let's see. Wow. Well, good luck, Matt. Good luck. Uh, yeah, are you thanks, feeling buddy. ready? Are you feeling prepared? Have you got your Boy Scouts guide to gigging bag all prepared I and have. everything? Yeah. I so have, mate. You'd be so proud of me. I have, uh, <laughs> I've got my two guitars set up and ready to go, yeah. uh, as, as per everything we've discussed around. Yeah. Um, new hard cases ready for that and uh, strap locks put on the guitars. They're all set up and good to go. I've got my uh, case next to me now, which is like meticulously organized with everything Boy Scoutish in it uh, for all eventualities. So, um, so yeah, I had a bit of a panic moment the other day when we were, we were rehearsing my main guitar that I'm going to use for this band. Uh, one of the pickups started to play up. Um, uh, clearly, uh, there was a cold solder joint somewhere, so thankfully rectified that. But uh, yeah, uh, at the rehearsal, I didn't have anything else to fall back on. I didn't have a oh. spare guitar. I didn't have a soldering iron. Not that I would necessarily bring a soldering iron to a gig to fix it, but I was kind of like, this is this is exactly what we talked about, you know, needing to prepare for on a gig. And, I, and it's just, you know, it's given me even more impetus tonight to, you know, take everything that I need within reason to get out of mm. that kind of situation. So I had, I had that experience firsthand first, first chord of the rehearsal this week and the guitar, you know, just lost the, lost the bridge pickup. And I was like, Oh man, <laughs> I'm glad that didn't happen on the gig night. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> But it just goes to show you, doesn't it, that, I mean, you are self-confessed quite an OCD person when it comes to your guitars. You know, you look after things, mm. I'm sure, you know, a, mm. an order of magnitude more than most people would do. Most people would probably just, you know, pick their guitar up and everything that they usually take to the gig and they get through it fine. But it goes to show somebody even as well prepared as you can still have some technical issues that you can prepare for. So for sure. go back and for listen sure. to those podcasts and yeah. be reminded of the things you can do to be yeah. more prepared for for eventualities like that you know absolutely absolutely it's good advice mate and uh, and then yeah just uh I've got a few guitars sitting, waiting to be um, set up and, and serviced for folk that are also looking to get out there and, and gig. So next week is going to be a very busy week of modding guitars, but but not my own. They're going to be other people's guitars. So hopefully um, there'll be some happy happy customers at the end of the day um, with their new guitars. So yeah, it's, it's busy times at the moment. And then with work and everything, and then the football this weekend with England being in the final of the Euro. So um, come on, England. Come on, England. <laughs> Any Italian listeners out there know that feelings, but yeah. Well, I mean, actually, by the time this comes out, we'll know who won or not, so it may be that... That's you know, true. We don't that's know yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, how about you, mate? How's uh, how's your week uh, been? Yeah, it's been okay. I haven't been particularly well over the last couple of weeks of a, a bad cold. Um, but other than that, uh, I've been, you know, work's been busy, and mm. but I've been doing a lot of practice, a lot of playing guitar as well. Um, do you know, I've been playing quite a lot with the Positive Grid Bias FX software. Um, mm -hmm. which is just what I use for silent practice and, and for recording. Um, but I've, I, one of the things I've, I've never been able to get into over 20 odd years of playing is the sound, you know, like proper martial sounds. You know, okay. I've always loved the sound of Fender amps or, yeah. you know, um, you know, the more American style thing, but I managed to dial in a really great kind of JTM 45, you know, early plexi 
kind of Clapton cream lead tone. And I'm just, I'm just currently just like captivated by that sound. Um, (laughs) And yeah, so I'm kind of like, I really get it now. I really get that martial sound. So, um, and I messaged you yesterday, didn't I say, I'm thinking of changing the entire rig already. That's kind of what's about I've got to get that. You know, I love that sound in in positive grid, but I've got to get that into my rig somehow. So I'm currently thinking about whether or not like a, some kind of um, preamp, because I don't want to get a Marshall amp. I don't, you know, I like the fact that I've got a very simple and portable setup. So I've been thinking about getting some kind of preamp um, that can give me that kind of sound, something by like Victory maybe or something like that. Oh, nice. nice. So I, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens. But, um, but yeah, that's basically, I haven't really been kind of doing my usual practice routine of randomizing certain things that I've just been trying to you know enjoy enjoy playing and you know coming up with some different sounds and being inspired by things that I haven't listened to for quite a long time but but yeah that's it that's been it for me for the last few weeks nice mate busy busy as well plus trying yeah. to recover from that, that that bad cold that you had yeah. so um, I think yeah I, oh, you did make me laugh yesterday when you sent me that message saying you're going to change your rig again I was like no I mean you see you've uh, I don't know if we covered this in a previous uh, podcast but in recent weeks You'd uh, been sending me pictures of this beautifully uh, laid out new pedal board that you've assembled. It looked really nice and clean, really tidied up, beautiful uh, cable management on your mm. part. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that looks great. That's yeah, that's ready to go. And then so to hear so, so to hear yesterday, yeah, I'm going to scrap all this and do something different. I was like, what, what's happened? What has happened? Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> well, I'm pleased to know. I'm pleased to hear that from you. The, the uh, impetus potentially for that is 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 the Marshall sound, which I'm, you know, I'm a massive fan of, but, uh, uh, so I text, I think I texted you back saying maybe get one of these Joyo, um, pedals, the American Mm. sound one is one Mm. they they do, which modulates the kind of fender amps. Uh, but they actually do one, um, called the, called the British sound, which is all, uh, Marshall kind of variants, uh, in there. So that might be worth, uh, for for a bit of fun playing, playing one of those. I would, I've, I've been looking at various things as well. Uh, Mua do some preamp pedals as well, um, yeah. which and they do they do have kind of like plexi style and a you know mm-hmm. an early kind of blues breaker style preamp as well. Um, there's various options for different prices and things. So I'm just trying to kind of look at my options because I really love that. Really love that sound. You know that mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. um, mid gain snarliness. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of mm-hmm. thinking of um, things like um, if you know the guitar tone Clapton had when he recorded the solo to I Feel Free mm-hmm. with Cream, that kind of yeah. thing, you yeah. know, that almost woman tone sound, which would yeah. have been through a cranked JTM, basically, probably in exactly. the, one of the first 50 or 100 watt heads that Marshall brought out in the 60s and 67, yeah. something like that. Um, that kind of sound, you know, it's the sound of a loud amp, isn't it? The sound of something cranked cranked power stage and a cranked preamp stage um it's just it's just amazing i've never really liked the martial sound that much i always thought it's a bit too rock but that sound mm. is just it's 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 just that kind of a little bit more God, we, everyone knows what it is you know i don't need to describe it but i'm you know, think, i'm coming to like it later in life i guess is what i'm saying yeah i think i think there is definitely ways you can get that with the right pedals and kind yeah. of fender tweed style amps yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think was it was it those amps back in the day the the, the kind of JTMs where they used to actually slash some of the speakers and the and the cones of the speakers to, to get it <laughs> yeah. to break up even I, I even think, more. I think that was a Townsend thing, wasn't it? Yeah, 
pizza and other kings right? they used to do things like that i don't know yeah don't yeah. know if everyone did that um no because they're not actually that againy that's uh, the thing you know they're, they're not very they're quite clean amps they're just yeah. incredibly powerful that's right um you know they're, they're almost unbearably loud um, that's it. actually it reminds me if you if you look online you look for a rig rundown of angus young's guitar rig from when you know obviously playing live with acdc he uses about eight or 12 plexis all of them on and they are all on full and they wow. are all going through cabinets on stage and his guitar tech is saying walking across the stage when he's playing is like being tortured and so oh, how wow. he's still managing to play you know <laughs> That's insane. That's yeah. crazy. And that's man, there's no pedals or anything. You got his guitar, I think, goes through some kind of little preamp which exists from a wireless guitar system he had back in the eighties, right. which had which did just kind of thickened his sound up a bit. Doesn't really add anything. He still goes through that, but his entire sound is still just pure cranked hundred watt, you know, um super lead heads from various different models in the from the like late sixties through the seventies. <laughs> How are you even coping with that? <laughs> How, how does he have any hearing left? That's proper rock and roll, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's um, proper rock and roll. But what a sound. <laughs> what a what sound. sound. Well, speaking of artists and yeah. uh, the gear they use, that, that's a nice little segue onto, onto today's uh, podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so this week we are talking about signature guitars, signature instruments. You know, what are they? You know, um, are they any good? Are they bad? Are they worth it? Is it, is it a, you know... Is it a marketing ploy for manufacturers? Are they, mm-hmm. you know, are they really good instruments? Um, we want to talk about um, the different ones that are available and, and you know, if they're worth looking at, really. And, you know, I think for some guitarists, um, sign- I mean, guitarists who have signature instruments in their name, mm-hmm. um, it's a representation of what they prefer in an instrument, right? It's, you know, this is this is my dream instrument that a manufacturer is honouring me with. And for some, um, you know, it's it's more of a custom design tool that just gives them the functionality they need so it's you know there's different types of signature instruments um the cynical part of me thinks that some of them that you see released are just kind of a marketing tool you know uh-huh. the kind of the brands trying to cash in on a particular name um but some um some signature signature instruments on the market i think are, are offer actually really good value mm-hmm. for people looking for something that can open up a little bit more sonic freedom for them so that's what we're discussing today you know um, maybe we've got some favourites. Maybe we've got some suggestions for people. But um, what are your thoughts on signature instruments? What's the f- what can you remember about um, you know when you've been learning to play guitar? You obviously had idols who would have maybe had signature instruments. Uh, what do you remember about the first that you saw? So I think. <laughs> I think back when I was kind of in my formative years of, of guitar playing, say in my teenage years, you you definitely and I, and I think the same is true today, right? You you kind of revere and aspire to sound like your guitar heroes, right? And you therefore look at what gear they're using, what what is their guitar that they're using, and uh, rightly or wrongly you believe that, you know, acquiring the same type of gear as them, I and mean, in this case, their guitar, is going to get you to to be as good as them, or at least get you closer to their, their sound. Yeah. Right? That's the, ba- that's yeah. the basic premise. And I think, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, but then there's the other, the other thing, depending on who your idol was as well. And you end up, you know, thinking that that 
guitar just looks really cool as well. There's the, the, the there's a look about it, and often you see with artist signature guitars, they are released in in kind of either finishes or specs or or mm. designs that are slightly different or very different indeed to to what you can buy off the normal production line. And therefore, you go, well, I just like the look of it because it looks really cool because so and so plays that. So, but for me, you know. I think it, the, the, growing up, the artist signature guitar thing wasn't anywhere near as big a deal as it is now today. Yeah, I agree, right? It, 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 you know, the, it, the, the the people that I looked up to, even back in those days, Clapton, Slash, uh, you know, Steve Ray. The list goes on and on. They weren't they weren't playing uh, signature guitars built specifically for them. Uh, I don't believe by by the big uh, brand manufacturers. They were uh, either they'd either been gifted uh, yeah. some production line stuff by you know the company that they could then go and play and take on tour, and maybe they'd made some mods or the guitar tech had made some mods to it along the way. So then you you know it, that organically develops into a signature guitar. Um, so I think I think there's definitely like a really nice now a thing that exists where if you want to go and access an artist signature guitar guitar companies have clearly cottoned on to the demand for this and that people would like to purchase this kind of stuff more so than you know the, you know going back a couple of decades so they're mm. making it available and artists are being approached to design signature guitars or, or you know collaborate with with manufacturers and i think that's all that's all a cool thing right because people yeah. will want to they'll always want to buy their guitar of their idols or get as close to that as possible because you know it's who you're inspired by right so um so i think it's definitely a good thing in the main to have that 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 ability to to get that one step closer to your idol i guess the flip side of it uh, for me is where it clearly is a cash grab scheme by mm-hmm. or a you know and I say this as someone who in their day job works as in marketing but where it's clearly <laughs> like a marketing gimmick right to to you know in its worst form put an artist's signature onto the headstock of a guitar to sell more units when actually the guitar in of itself is either nothing significantly different to a standard production line item that you could purchase and make some very small modifications to yourself to get it to that Um, and yet a a fortune is being charged for not a huge amount additive And, and for me that's that's where I think you know people have really got to uh, think maybe carefully about how much they want that signature on the headstock and to outlay that level of money versus what they could achieve themselves and get really close to their idol's guitar. That was a long rant from me. Sorry, no, mate. No, it was, it well, was I mean, what, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, yeah, so I, I'm in agreement with, with what you're saying there in principle because for me, a signature guitar, a signature instrument is something that is, you know, what I want from a signature instrument is the manufacturer is basically coming to me and saying, Hey, look! This is a guitar that is built that we're that we're putting out for general release. As a, it's not a limited edition or anything. This is now in our product range, but yeah. it's a representation of what a particular artist likes in their instrument. Yeah, which means yeah. it's different to everything else in some way or another. Okay, if it's hey, this is our standard model of something, but instead it's got Joe Bloggs's signature on the headstock, so it's a thousand pounds more. I don't really <laughs> see that as a signature instrument, but I can understand that somebody 
will want that as maybe a collector's item or something mm. like that, depending on, on what it is. Maybe as if it's done as a limited run. Um, a good example for me is obviously a massive Clapton nerd. Okay. The Clapton yeah. Strat was, that was Fender's first uh, signature instrument yeah. in the 80s. So it would have been about 87 when that came out. Um, and he's used it since then. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, who was the, do you know who the second signature guitar um, was for that Fender made? Oh, good question. Uh, Clapton was the first. Who was the second? Uh, Eric Johnson, no. not, not Flair, don't no. know. It was Ingve Malmsteen. <laughs> Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. The angry Swedish neoclassical shred rock guitarist just picked to the post by Eric Clapton, blues legend and, you know, general <laughs> guitar god. Um, so, so I'll tell you what I like about those examples that you've given is, and is they are, I think, distinctly artist signature guitars based on some of the appointments on those two guitars you cannot get those on standard production lines and the artists themselves have specified and wanted and utilized those features so i think they're two great examples you've given of genuine signatures that's yeah and uh and that's exactly that's the epitome of a, a signature guitar for me it's this is this is what this person really uses on yeah. stage this is what they're playing um and you can buy that as part of a standard you know standard range of guitars um incidentally i think that the the clapton strat as well as being a great example of what a signature instrument should be that's a super versatile strat if i was saying mm-hmm. you know if, if somebody was to say to me hey i want to go out and buy a guitar um for maybe session work or gigging i don't know what to get i want something that's going to give me a lot of tonal options a lot of yeah. classic guitar sounds some modern sounds something that's comfortable to play, I'd probably recommend a Clapton Strat if they had a couple of grand to spend on a guitar because mm-hmm. it's a couple of grand. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, still cheaper than a you know Les Paul standard, but um, but that's got you know the the, the TBX tone system. It's got the mid boost yep. in there. It's got noiseless modern pickups built into a 50s style Strat body. Nice slim taper V neck, so comfortable to play. Some people might not like the V profile, but it's going to be comfortable for most. But if people. you do, you do, yeah, exactly, yeah, and it's got really good hardware but it's a simple design it's that 50s style strap i don't think you can go wrong with it even though it's a very specific design you know um that tbx tone control means instead of everything just being like a a low you know a normal tone control is basically you're rolling away high frequencies Uh, the tbx is an active tone system which is rather than it being you know either all your signal is passed through or you're filtering away the high end it's in the middle it's everything gets through if you turn it down you're rolling away the top end if you turning up you're rolling away the bass that's so it's kind of it's more like a normal eq pot on a mixing desk you know you're either cutting or uh-huh. you're boosting rather than just cutting away a certain frequency range so it's a more um versatile tonal you know system and the fact that you've got the mid boost means you know if your pedal board went down you could plug straight into your amp and you've still got your overdrive there built into your guitar for solos and things like that just a super versatile instrument whether you like clapton or not you know um same with the malmsteam thing you know probably not as versatile but that has some very specific appointments, which, you know, if you're a shredder, you're probably going to like that kind of guitar as well. So that's what I like in a signature instrument, something that offers something to you that is, you know, if you're a fan of that guitarist, great. You get an insight into what they're feeling in their hands when they're playing guitar, uh, but also something 
that gives you, you know, versatile capability, you know, something different, some kind of unique tonal palette that you're probably not used to from other standard instruments. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's really brave of Fender to release that Malmsteen strap, you know, a, a scalloped fingerboard is definitely, a, you know, <laughs> yeah. not to everyone's taste, right? Yeah. But uh, blimey, if that's, if that's, you know, who you idolize and who you want to emulate. Yeah. And certainly in way feels that's definitely, you know, contributory to his playing style and tone to have a scalloped fingerboard, then, then cool. And you're definitely not going to get that. Um, can you, uh, you know, just before you, just before you move on, sorry to interrupt you, Kieran, but yeah, no can you worries, explain man. for maybe some of our less initiated listeners what a scalloped fingerboard is? It's uh, it's where you serve a seafood buffet on your, on your guitar before <laughs> playing it. So, so, so the fretboard is nicely lubricated with seawater and uh, crustacean uh, guts. No, well, well, no. Well, that's the intro sorted. <laughs> Little bit of garlic parsley butter, bit of bread for <laughs> dipping it in. Oh, what a treat! And then, and then, and then into into some blazing eighties hair metal. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty Amazing. standard st- standard stuff around our way. <laughs> the amount of requests I get for that every year uh, through the guitar tech services. You, know. you don't uh, do it, really? No, 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 no. I don't. No, I don't. I, I mean, scallops, well, for, I don't mean for the fish for the fish on the fretboard. <laughs> yeah, no. I was going to say because scallops are pretty seasonal, so you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think you're only supposed to buy them in months that uh, you know okay. end in a in a in an ER, aren't you, or something? So yeah, yeah. Can't 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 do that all year round anyway. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shall I stop with this stupid uh, yeah. analogy? Um, no, no, I've never had anybody request me to scallop their fingerboard. Uh, basically, it is uh, where uh, either along the entire length of the neck, or you sometimes see it on just the upper frets uh, of, of the neck, it's where uh, the fingerboard wood has been uh, very carefully and deliberately uh, shaped to drop away underneath uh, the fret wire so that when you're actually pressing down on those frets, uh, as you would normally fret, uh, your finger isn't actually coming into contact with the fingerboard itself. It is the string purely coming into contact with the fret wire and uh, you know, you, you'd have to press really hard then to be able to get the string and your finger to press into the dip underneath the uh, uh, where the fingerboard would normally be. So it's supposed to create this ability to, to navigate those frets in a much faster way because you've got just pure contact between the string and the, and the fingerboard. It also allows you right. to do some funky funky stuff with bending. Yeah, uh, I was going to say know. it must it must be it must make it quite difficult to intonate. Correct? you know obviously um well it'll it'll yeah it'll depend on the pressure that you apply yeah exactly you can it's like bending the string into that space isn't it yeah but but the theory i think is is you're not doing so much uh of that you're literally just doing a lot of legato style you know fast finger work over those frets and so it's it creates that sense of playing on air perhaps i think is the best way to describe it but um it's really cool i have tried it out and um it takes a little bit of getting used to but you, there's definitely some merit in it. I don't have it on any of my guitars, and it's probably not not for me. But it's it's a definite it's a definite thing. But uh, yeah, may, maybe maybe don't don't try it yourself. <laughs> don't, don't just take like a chisel to your fingerboards <laughs> and scallop frets out. Just get the Dremel out and just start grinding <laughs> away wood from yeah yeah. yeah don't you do can. that. <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> so uh, it's your instrument. Do what you want to do. Well, yeah, do what you want. Do what you want with it. Um, put seafood on it if you want. See if that yeah. makes a difference. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody probably will tell you it does. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think? Do people buy artist signature guitars if they're not a fan of? the mm. artists themselves well i think i think it's, it's that's definitely going to be something that happens less frequently you know um but i'd imagine it does happen especially if you like the appointments that that guitar has um but then there, there are other more subtle signature instruments as well you know aren't there, that, that kind of come out which you just think well this is just meant to look like that person's guitar but that person's guitar was a standard off-the-shelf instrument so mm. why not just buy the standard off-the-shelf instrument but i guess then it comes down to things like you know if they've made measurements of that that person's guitar so they've actually tried to make the neck shape and the, the dimensions of the guitar and the, the weight mm. of the guitar um you know uh, there might be more subtle things that somebody's done like they've changed the tuning pegs to something that they prefer or, so uh, signature signature instruments can be really subtle things can't they and i think those are probably more the kind of guitars that people who aren't fans pick up and play um because they may just look at them as another option of a standard line of guitars but something like a clapton strat I'm sure 99.9% of all Clapton strats are sold to Clapton fans who want to play Clapton so. songs, you know, through, you know, Fender amps and, and you know, they want to play Layla all day long. Um, <laughs> I, and I can't imagine this, but, you know, I still think even if you're not a Clapton fan, it's worth having a look at one. Well, I texted, I texted the group, <clears throat> the group, the, the hive mind of the, the, the musos that I, that I kind of uh, drink and party with. And uh, I texted them last night because I, Perfectly and, and and coincidentally, one of the the chaps had posted that a new Corey Wong signature guitar had been uh, announced yesterday. Mm. You know, super guitarist, funky, jazzy yeah. session dude, amazing. Uh, and then he's got a new signature Strat out, and which I, he said, you know, the guy guy had said, oh, "Have you seen it?" And it is a beautiful looking guitar, and it's really gorgeous, kind of blue color. It's got um, it's got some some slightly unusual appointments, but I, I kind of challenge back to say, well, it is kind of like a really nice blue strap mm. um, that comes with a with a hairband. Uh, mm. uh, you know, does it justify the, the the signature price? So apparently, it comes with a hairband that you put over the tremolo springs uh, to give that dampened sound mm. uh, that the artist in question you, you know does to his guitar to make it sound the way he gets it to sound. You go, well, how Buy much a are you paying? Band. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> Buy an American Ultra Strat. That comes with the compound radius fingerboard and the other kind of appointments, and and get yourself a hairband. And, no, I like and, Corey Wong. I think no, I, me too. Me too. I think he's a great guitarist, uh, really interesting chap, and his podcast Wong Notes is fantastic as well. He's had some really great artists and people on Wong Notes: Joe Bonamassa, um, Steve Lukather. Sorry. <laughs> How far did we get in? I don't know. <laughs> pretty far. Pretty Steve far, Luke, actually. Yeah, Joe and I, Steve Luca, Larry Carlton, um, all kinds of people. It's just, just a really great guest on his podcast. Um, but I know for a fact from conversations he's had on that, that his main strat that he plays is a Fender Highway 1 strat. There which came out in about 2002, 2003, I remember, because I remember seeing right. them in Andertons in Guildford yep. when I was yep. studying at the ACM and I went in there and I was looking at guitars and, and Fender had just released them. And the now the big selling point of those is that they were the cheapest American-made mm -hmm. instruments that yep. 
Fender had ever released. And they were only about $500, something like that. 500 quid in the UK. I don't know what they would have been in the US, but I think it usually works out that whatever you pay in pounds here is kind of what you pay in dollars in the US, something like that. So Mm -hmm. probably 500 Mm -hmm. bucks. So yeah, that's, that's one of the crazy things for me because now I, now you think, well, if that's a signature instrument of his that's based on his main guitar, are you effectively paying, I don't know how much it is, by the way, I'm assuming it's well over a grand or something like that. It's a couple of grand. It's a couple of grand. Effectively paying, paying a couple of grand for a recreation of a guitar that's probably not heavily modified, that was $500 off the shelf 20 years ago. It's got some cool switching on it and it's got a signature set of his pickups, which, you know, if you say what you say, they're probably based on the Highway 1 pickups. And it's got a compound radius fingerboard, but again, so is my American Deluxe Strat, which is an off-the-shelf production line, and that didn't cost two grand. That cost half of that. So... Yeah, you know, and and as I say, I love him as an artist too. I think he's absolutely phenomenal as a player. I think Um, he's probably the best rhythm guitarist there is out there at the moment, especially in that kind of funk Prince style guitar playing genre. You know, there is such a recognisable sound. I should point out as well: you're not going to just get his sound. You need his fingers and his hands and his head (laughs) to get. It's not just a guitar. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. You give him a job on a mass Les Paul, he's not going to suddenly sound like Eric. Johnson, is he? So, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Joe Bonamassa. <laughs> I had a little dig, but <laughs> implying that Joe Bonamassa doesn't sound like Joe Bonamassa. There's that. That's, that's that's harsh. That's, that's harsh. brutal. I feel bad. That is brutal. I really love, I brutal. love Joe Bonamassa. It's but like every video it. you send me of. Uh, of uh, oh, his name's gone now. Uh, Philip oh, Says. Philip Says. <laughs> who I love. I'm a massive fan of Philip Says. Every video you send me, he's incredible. But I think. He sounds like I think he sounds like Steve Ray Vaughan. Yeah, well, every time he picks up a guitar, which is not that's not a <laughs> disrespectful thing to say. Very, you very, sounded very like Stevie people. Ray Vaughan. When, uh, you sound well, like Stevie Ray Vaughan when you play Lenny. So, well, you know, yeah, to anyway. be fair, <laughs> I, I mean, it's not a bad thing to say if somebody sounds like Stevie Ray Vaughan. But what I'm saying is, is that you know, I think it's 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 a part of part of I guess what I'm thinking is that some signature guitars maybe prey on the preconception of some guitarists that if they want to sound like an idol of them, then they need to get their equipment. It's so, there's so much oh, for more sure. than just for the equipment, sure. isn't it? For it's, sure. It's and I think people and, know that. Yeah, I think so. I too. think people know that. And look, you know, people aren't, aren't that naive. And I, I myself have lusted after signature guitars because uh, I want to sound like that artist. Mm. But then my rational head kicks in and goes, well, what actually is that guitar? And can I just yeah. put those appointments or those little specifications onto a standard production line guitar and get the look and sound that I'm after? And sometimes sometimes you can do that and save a mm. whole heap, ton, a heap of money um, in doing so, which I think is, is where you then look at that artist's guitar and go, that probably doesn't represent them good value for money because what the manufacturer is doing is exploiting that uh, desire in people to sound like their their um, idol, mm. and then charging a huge premium 
for what incrementally is not a huge amount more in guitar. It's yeah. just got some slight modifications that yeah. you, you could do yourself or in some instance, instances can't do yourself easily because it's a particular finish. So you're in, you end up paying hundreds more pounds or dollars for a particular finish that you just can't yeah. get uh, yeah. off the standard, which I think is, I think is a bit cheeky and, and Gibson, I'm afraid. Uh, and again, I say this as a huge Gibson fanboy. Gibson are so notorious for, for, for doing this, probably more so than any other manufacturer. And some manufacturers, I think, do a really good job at not exploiting that. Uh, mm. Ibanez being being one, and we've mentioned Ibanez before, and, and when you look at some of the signatures they're producing, they're really good value for money, and you're getting yeah. something genuinely different. But I think something interesting just happened there in our conversation, which is we felt the need to justify and defend the artist, Uh uh, you know, in lieu of what their signature might be. And, and I think that's an interesting point as well, which is this isn't about the artist per se. I mean, they probably have not that much sway or kind of influence in how much these these guitars are charged and priced at and what the, you know, actual specs are versus the production line. They just go, well, this is what I want on my guitar. And then the company goes and makes it and goes, great, would you mind if we made, a, you know, 20,000 of these, put your name on the headstock and sold them as your signature? And the artist goes, yeah, great, I'd love to do that. Yeah, but um, I, I don't know how many of the artists stop and go. Yeah, sure, but how much are you going to charge? You know, the general public for that premium, and they go, "Oh, we're going to charge them three times as much because it's got your name on." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you know what? Actually, and I've I've mentioned these names before, but I think there are three manufacturers that fall into that category of being mm. uh, manufacturers that do you know they, they they stand for the artist as much as they do for mm. you know the instrument to, to sell, and that's mm. PRS. Mm-hmm. Music Man, and I think John Sir, Sir Guitars as well. Sir being the more expensive of, of, of the bunch in terms of the signature instruments. But if you look at something like Music Man, um, mm. if you were going to go and get yourself, um, look at John Petrucci, you know, Dream Theatre guitarist. Yeah. He's got a whole range of signature. signature. I'm in a real trouble saying signature today. A whole range of signature <laughs> guitars with Music Man. But what yeah. Music Man have done is they've worked with the artist to really represent that artist well in the range of instruments mm. they provide. But what they've also done, they created a whole range of instruments in the Sterling range, which yeah. is more affordable. So they're not they're, they're not necessarily just saying, well, you know, if you want this guitar, it's thousands of pounds. They're saying, if you can't afford that, hey, we, st- we still think about you. We're still going to provide you with options. You know, if you've got, you know, sub $1,000 to spend, you can still do that. You can do that with most of their guitars, most of their mainline signature instruments, whether that's for, you know, Steve Lukather's guitars, whether it's John Petrucci, whether it's uh, Albert Lee, um, whether it's St. Vincent, you know, all those different signature guitars that they do. They have rep- models represented in the cheaper range as well. Yeah, PRS did that quite nicely. Yeah, with the Santana range, they do that exactly. quite well. Santana range, they did a Bernie Marsden single cut, which was an SE range guitar. One of the guitars I've singled out as well as what I think is an absolutely beautiful instrument is the PRS SE Zach Myers signature okay. guitar. I haven't seen that one. It's a single cut um, uh, PRS um, with a single F-hole, so it's like semi-hollow semi guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of got a Les Paul arrangement, you know, two, two volume, two tones, single three-way tone switch but that is an absolutely stunning guitar that is you know has rave reviews for being just a really beautiful instrument to play and it's the guitar Zach Myers uses so it's not like he's using a you know shop. custom shop guitar and, and he's selling these um, yeah. and that is you know it's 825 quid um you know yeah, so that's it's a thousand dollars 
Um, so I really think that those manufacturers do it properly, you know, when it comes to signature guitars. So here's the thing then. Do you think the PRS Silver Sky is good value for money? Because that's from PRS, right? And that's John Mayer's exact model that he goes out and plays. I do. And that that's is over that? two grand. It's just it's over, over two, two grand, grand, isn't it? Which is probably equivalent to the top of the range Fender. Um, you know, I think... Mm. About two grand is what you, I mean, the, the Clapton Strat is two grand, you know. Mm. So I think that's, that is fair value, um, especially when you think about, um, the, you know, where that's coming from in terms of, if you know what PRS do and how they design and build their instruments, mm. um, no disrespect to Fender, but um, that's that's something else really. Um, so I do think that PRS Silver Sky is probably worth it because of the design elements that have gone into that, into that guitar and also how heavily involved the signature artist was involved in creating that guitar as well um i think that's pretty good value i hate to rant about gibson but i think gibson <laughs> are a bit of an example of kind of how not to do it i think they do lean more towards the side of the artist is a bit of a you know cash cow for us we put a signature on our guitar we limit the run of them so we can invent in, you know inflate the price i think they sometimes do that um rather than having you know i, I could be wrong i don't know i'm a bit cynical about gibson no i think you're right i i, I think you're right I mean, I'll be honest. I really do cover the PRS Silver Sky. I think it's a beautiful yeah. looking guitar. I don't. I don't think it represents brilliant value for money from PRS. If, if I'm honest, I think some of the PRS stuff with the kind of exotic choice woods and heavily flames yeah. and. Um, I mean, undoubtedly, the Silver Sky is finished beautifully, but it is still a bolt-on neck single uh, yeah. S-style yeah. guitar with single coils. I mean, is that two grand's worth of guitar? I think it's unusual, and I think it's different and in its design take on the Fender Strat, but I look at it and I go, that's not two grand. If they, if they charged... 1500 for that like 500 bucks less i'd go that's really good value for money but i, I think there is like a 500 buck premium on that just because of the john mayer thing it's it's a blinding guitar but yeah i don't know it's not got as much workmanship even if it's got the prs quality in yeah. my in my opinion but well, you know, you know what, 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 what do i know, you know, you know what is my... rumored don't you and has been rumored for some time no. oh a cheaper one. version of it yeah Potentially a PRS SE Silver Sky, yeah. which I believe yeah. may be being built potentially out of um, Indonesia, out of the Court factory, which I think they make the SE ranges yes. anyway. Um, and yeah. Court make just absolutely fantastic guitars. Um, yeah. So again, another example that I think, you know, for, for everything PRS do, um, because PRS, one of the things Paul Reed Smith said in an interview once is um, when asked about why they do things the way they do, he says, because as a guitar company and yeah. such a young brand of his, the only way to survive in that industry where Fender and Gibson have, you know, much of a monopoly over the business is to be mm -hmm. absolutely perfect. Um, so that's yeah. why I see PRS guitars as being such good value because they have, uh, you know, uh, they have have an internal culture of perfection, which I don't think Fender and Gibson do. Um, Fender and Gibson still right. build to prices, and then they have their custom, mm. custom shop and Murphy Lab ranges and things like that, where they kind of let loose and do 
the best they can. And I think PRS have done things differently where they've kind of tried to uphold a standard rather than build to a price. Uh, they're still building to a price in certain ranges, but they're still trying to, you know, do something differently and, and uphold that PRS standard. So that that's why I disagree with you slightly about the Silver Sky. I think mm. maybe part of no, the premium you're around. getting is uh, an attention to detail, you know, a level up of attention to detail than what you would get in a similar price from Fender or Gibson. So I, I think that's a really good point. So let, we've got to go and try this, haven't we? We've got to. We, <laughs> yeah. we are going to be doing as a as a little spoiler alert for our guitar smarts audience. We are going to be doing um, as things return a little bit more back to normal here and lockdown starts to lift. We're going to take the guitar smarts podcast out on the road, so to speak, and we're going to get, go and do some guitar shop uh, yeah. visits. Uh, well, well, we'll do some recording, uh, you know, uh, on site, hopefully. And um, that is definitely at the, at near the top of my list of guitars that uh, I was about to go and try before <laughs> lockdown hit 18 yeah. months ago and haven't still yeah. got around to doing it. Uh, so I really want to see if, if, if the PRS, the infamous perfectionism, quality control and, and all round fit and finish that we know and love about PRS guitars has translated into their Silver Sky, which I'm sure it must have done because people are raving about it. But I really want to see firsthand for myself if that's, if that's yeah. true. So yeah, good shout. Good shout. So going back to Gibson then, um, who perhaps, you know, don't always get this right, shall we say. I think they do it really well sometimes. And look, people will tell us quite rightly that the episode phone range of 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 licensed stuff from gibson is that is that you know prs to se parallel where you can go and get a cheaper version of said signature in an ep- with an epiphone mm. badge on it um i would argue that's not the same it's that's epiphone and you know it might be licensed by gibson or whatever but you know you want a cheaper version with still the gibson you know logo mm. on it but um or the, at least the same shaped headstock uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, they do some funny, they do some funny things. So, so my recent example of this is obviously the, the slash signature, yes. uh, gold top, which I was going to buy. Right. And, um, I've, I've been hankering for a slash signature guitar for a while. One, because I really like the artist two, because, um, it, it they, you, Gibson used to produce, his signature series with the correct, in my opinion, appointments that he has on his guitar. So the, so the signature Seymour Duncan pickups, the Tone Pros hardware, the finishes uh, that are kind of more akin to his type of finishes. So, you know, in this instance, a dark back gold top, which, you know, Gibson very rarely do out of their standard production line, um, or even just some of the kind of weird and wonderful finishes that he's, he's chosen. But, uh, you know, I've always maintained, you know, the, the, the guitar that Slash uses, well, his original Les Paul was a Chris Derrick uh, kind of copy of a Gibson 59. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even a Gibson guitar yeah. in itself, yeah. right? So, uh, and then, you know, moving forward in time, the guitars he used on tour and things were, I think, even Gibson seconds that had been gifted to him by Gibson when he was, you know, it's first starting to make it mm. big. And they gave him a couple of production line seconds, which he then had refilled finished and you know some his own pickups kind of put into it so they were just kind of standard production line not even necessarily the best production line instruments that then became his 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 main guitars so you know you fast forward through time and then he started to get some signature guitars you know through gibson and became you know gibson's kind of key spokesperson and they started to put all the right appointments on those signature guitars 
But in 2021, you know, with this latest range of guitars that they're doing for him uh, or with him, it's not got his standard Seymour Duncan signature pickups in it. Gibson have done their own version of it. It hasn't got the Tone Pros hardware on it. It hasn't got the custom uh, neck profile that his other signatures have got on it, where they've modelled the exact neck profile to his his original kind of guitars that he prefers. Um, the, the whole range of things that, that you think would make an artist's signature guitar are just not there on it um apart from his signature you know scrawl uh, or logo on the back of the headstock and yet the premium that they're charging in terms of price is is significant for a guitar that isn't isn't in my opinion you know the what the artist's guitar should be mm. so I think on that one they've got it wrong but then you you kind of look at it in terms of other things that Gibson have done like with the kiss signature guitars like the ace freely ones you know, they were charging 10 grand for a for a les paul it, yeah and you just go that's that's just purely you know that's not 10 grand's worth of guitar so i think sometimes gibson get it get it a little bit wrong but may, yeah again someone challenged me someone tell me that that these are good value for money and that it's yeah. it's worth it i think i think gibson are cursed a little bit by their own past in a way hmm. people like like who we've mentioned before people like prs music man um they have the benefit of of, of a shorter history you know they don't have something yeah. in their past that they also have to represent in their future right you know gibson i, mm-hmm. I i've mm-hmm. always thought that gibson are guilty of being a parody of their own history if you remember back when when i had that kind yeah. of murphy murphy lab rant about <laughs> you know um Gibson are effectively, you know, they're, they're just all they're doing is that they they understand that the vintage instruments that you know other people sell and other people already own that have been around for a long time are the most coveted yep. of their instruments. And effectively, I've always thought the, all the Murphy Lab series is is a way of cashing in on that market. It's creating yeah. more vintage, and I'm doing little bunny ears here, you know, for you know, in quotes, <laughs> they're creating in quotes. vintage instruments and putting them on the market for yeah. a vintage vintage instrument price. Um, mm. But I don't think that's necessarily their fault because they have such a wonderful history of creating such beautiful guitars. When people think of Gibson, yeah. they don't think of the modern day guitars. They th- People think of the 50 Les Paul, the 59 Les Paul, mm. or they think of the early 50s gold top, you know, or they think of the mid-60s ES-335, the 64 that clapped aloud, or they think of the early 70s, um, you know, mm. um, ES-335 that Freddie King played. They think, you know, Gibson is propelled forward by the history of beautiful guitars that people have played. So they've got, they've got the horrible task of trying to do new and interesting things whilst also, also creating vintage instruments, basically, you know, that people go, you know, I really love that ES-335 Clapton played with Cream. I want to go and get one now. So Gibson are kind of held back by their own history, I think. And that's why I think people like PRS and Music Man have an advantage that, they're not held back by uh, their own history. So they can create modern things and people don't go, oh, that's not as good as a 59 Les Paul. Robot tuners, if Music Man put robot tuners on their guitars, people would think, oh, it's a kind of a Music Man thing to do. Maybe it's a John Petrucci instrument where he wants to change tunings halfway through his prog rock song, you know. If Steve Lukather went to robot tuners, yeah. you'd be a fan of them. <laughs> 
imagine that. It's probably true, though. It probably is true, though. And 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 look, I think you've made a really good point, actually, which is again uh, made me re- reconsider. Right. So, if we're talking about artist signature guitars here, we probably then have to differentiate between production line, non-custom shop, non-historically reproduced painstaking limited edition guitars mm. we have to differentiate between you know uh somebody wanting to have an exact replica of clapton's blackie mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. down to every ding every dent yeah. every you know cigarette burn you know slashes original chris derrick les paul reproduced by gibson and the custom shop millimeter to millimeter mm-hmm. in terms of wear you know maybe that does justify the ridiculous price tag i'm not sure it does still but maybe that in limited runs because of the collector's value because of what it represents and the faithful you know uh, imitation of the original guitar down to the last detail maybe that represents something to the collector that's it's never going to be a gigged guitar at you know 10 grand 20 grand a guitar right mm-hmm. But maybe that represents something that is for a niche market that these manufacturers are not necessarily exploiting because this is for the people that are diehard fans and that would go and spend that level of money on a guitar. Maybe maybe that's a very different, you know, bucket of artist signature instruments compared to going and wanting to buy, you know, the guitar off the production line run of artist signature guitars where, you know, you've got a budget yeah. of, of to try and get close to it. And that's where my issue with Gibson comes up with the latest slash run. I don't think they're right. And I don't think you should be charging that much of a premium for something that isn't, isn't mm-hmm. right. Um, but, uh, and you know, that, that arguably is where your argument stands up around the silver sky, which is that's kind of similar money, but it is genuinely different from the other PRSs. It is what John Mayer plays live down to the last thing. He plays the production run ones of those and you're getting that yeah. finish and and quality of, of PRS. And also don't forget that um, John Mayer was a Fender artist before he was a PRS artist. He had a range of signature instruments that, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. again, like, like other Fender signature artists, that he not only put his name on, but he helped design and he played, you know, live. Um, so it begs the question, why did he move from Fender to PRS? And I think it's similar to that Gibson argument of Fender being also somewhat held back by their own history. And I think John Mayer mm. probably wanted to do something with the guitars that Fender couldn't do for him or, or weren't willing yeah. to stretch the relationship to between him and, you know, yeah. and, um, and Fender. And I think that's partly why yeah. he went to PRS. And um, yeah, who knows? Who, who knows how and, and, and why these things happen? I just, out of interest, by the way, because we were talking about Gibson, you know, and the, the prices that they put on the, the signature instruments, but um, I, I've just popped onto a guitar relay retailer online called Guitar Guitar. Other retailers are available, but oh, yeah. um, I was on their website. Mm-hmm. They've currently got a Gibson Custom Shop Collector's Choice Melvin Franks 1959 Les Paul Standard Burst. Um, signed, it's number 29. It's signed, I don't know if it's signed by Melvin. I don't know who actually Melvin Franks is, sorry. <laughs> no, I don't um, But obviously that's not a signature instrument, right? That's a collector's piece. That's something that's built to, a ver- mm-hmm. to be exactly like a particular guitar. How much do you think that is? Oh, I like this game. So it's a 59. Uh, it's, a, it's 59 reissue. burst. It's aged, so it's meant to be... It's, it's VOS. Meant to 
might be okay. aged as okay. if it's exactly like the 59 that I'm assuming this person, okay. Melvin okay. Franks, played. Okay. Uh, okay. And it's come out of the custom shop, presumably. Well, I, I should also point out to you, this is a pre-owned guitar. This is a second-hand Oh, instrument. I see. Yeah. Oh God knows! I, and I don't know who 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 Melvin is, um, whether he's the luthier or whether he's an artist. So I, I'm purely purely speculating here. But let's say it's it's going for six six grand. Okay, you are way out. Oh really? Yeah, I am. By 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 the disdain in your voice, I take it I'm like way under what this is worth. You are way under. Yeah. Yeah. Ten. You are, you, you are almost. You are almost six times. What? <laughs> well, yeah. Oh my God! What? It's okay. £35,000. Amazing. Which I guess, you know, exchange rates for our listeners, upwards of $40,000 currently for sale. We're supposed to be guitar nerds and we have no idea about this Les Paul and why it's worth 35 Someone, Someone tell us. Well, you know, if you haven't, you haven't quite got thirty-five grand. Uh, they do actually also have a pre-owned um, Gibson Custom Shop Ace Freely 59 Burst. That's the one. That's the one. And number yeah. 47. They have one of those for sale for uh, £19,000. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I saw somebody buy one of those from from my guitar shop locally at uh, 10 grand when they were uh, not yeah. pre-owned when they were new and i could not believe that for 10 grand that, that gibson were doing that and i watched somebody buy it and i was just gobsmacked absolutely gobsmacked why someone would spend that i don't even think the middle pickup works on it um by by design all right okay let's keep let's keep let's keep playing this let's keep playing this game so i have put in <laughs> the in the ch- in the chat a link uh don't if you have you clicked on it don't click on it you clicked on it already yeah, no, I haven't actually. No, I haven't clicked on it yet. All right, don't uh, click on it. Okay, I'm not no, going to click, click on it. it. Okay, go so, on. So this is in stock now, so we're not talking about reissued. We're talking about something you can go and buy now, brand new. This is okay. a Fender George Harrison. Now, we do know who George Harrison is, right? Uh, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, is that Boxer, yeah, wasn't big, he? Just, no, yeah, right. <laughs> I know you're a Beatles <laughs> fan, right? So this is, this is a, I didn't, I, I don't know about this George Harrison guitar. But this is a Fender's George Harrison Rocky uh, uh, guitar, right? So it, right. it to me, it, to me, looks like a strap uh, okay. with a ro- rotor board strap. Is it painted? Oh, it is. Good man, it is painted. Yeah. Very Technicolor, psychedelic hippie. Clearly, yeah. when they were going through their hippie phase, because it's got you know the the kind of uh, Indian Om symbols on it. So maybe when they were doing their tour of India, it's very rainbow esque coloured. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you what we've we got. We've got it. It's custom shop, George Harrison Rocky signature model. It's limited mm-hmm. to 100 copies worldwide. So they've made 100 of these only. Master built okay. by Paul Waller. Uh, older body. Neck is, oh my God, how many A's? 5A maple. So uh, yeah, I, that goes beyond like triple A, clearly. So so 5A uh, maple. Okay, let me see the those, back of the those neck. Those two extra A's, by the way, are so oh, expensive. Yeah. They, clearly they are. I mean, it looks like it's got a bit of bird's eye in it when you look at the back of the neck. The back of the neck isn't painted. That's quite, quite beautiful. But the back of the body is obviously just ugly as sin because it's, well. Yeah. Right, okay. So what else we got? We've got Rosewood fingerboard, 60s oval C-shape. Vintage radius of 7.265, vintage frets, whatever that means, bone nuts. Uh, Oh, it's got Abigail Yabara handwound, 
single coils, which are yeah. in themselves highly revered. So, okay, okay, nice. That's the first thing that's actually got me excited okay. is uh, the fact that it's got Abigail Yabara pickups in it, mint, mint uh, pick guard, blah, 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 and then these custom graphics. Right, how much would you pay for a painted a hand-painted strat that looks like what George Harrison must have done to one of his strats back in the day. Well, you, well I, I first got to criticise you slightly because you phrased the question slightly wrong. You said, how much would I pay for it? <laughs> I wouldn't pay anything for it. I have no interest in it, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a wonder you actually own any guitars. Yeah. <laughs> like considering that it's like you're this monstrous guitar player that even just like <laughs> chastises himself by by even thinking about buying a guitar. It's like the, it's just it's it's more on so many levels. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> all right, how much how much would would a uh, I don't know how much should Fender charge then for this? So this is a is, is it well first of all how many are there? Is, is it a limited? Hundred. This is obviously a, this is a hundred. There's only a hundred of them. Okay. There's only a hundred of them. So it's got to quite, be... quite a big number still. I mean, we're, yeah. you know, who, how many people are... I mean, there's bloody loads of Beatles fans, right? So maybe yeah. this would appeal to Beatles fans who are non-guitarists as well. well. So When they did the recreation of Blackie, so when Clapton saw Blackie in uh-huh. what had been 2004, I think it was, yeah. 2003, right. he saw Brownie first and then he saw Blackie Yeah, um, around the time of the first Crossroads Festival. And Guitar Centre bought it and then with Guitar Centre, Fender did a recreation of it. John Cruz went to study the guitar they did for, and then they created, I think they created about 250 Mm -hmm. replicas of them, Mm -hmm. like scratch to scratch, you know, burn Mm -hmm. to burn, exact replicas. And I think they went on the market each for 25K. Um, So there's less of these, but I think this is a lesser desirable guitar than Blackie. Blackie was, even John Cruz said in the interview, that's the one Fender always wanted to do, was was Blackie. Um, So I'm going to say... Maybe it's similar money. I don't know. I'm going to say, I'm going to go conservative here and say 15 grand. 15 grand for a, for a, for a, for what George Harrison clearly yeah. used like some child's, you know, uh, acrylic <laughs> like paints and splattered on some. In the uh, middle of a string change. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like literally, if my five-year-old did this, I would be proud of him and go, yeah, that's a pretty good paint job, son. Well done. Uh, Go on the fridge for a week. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fine. Uh, 15 grand. All right. Click click on the link. Okay. Okay. (laughs) £22,190. Yeah, but don't forget that you're you're giving me the Taman link, which is from Germany, so that doesn't include VRT. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, or shipping. Oh, God. Can you imagine what the customs bill would be for that, based on a percentage of the price? 11%. You'd probably be paying close to 30 now. Wow. You'd be paying the equivalent of about three ultra USA strats just in customs bills, probably, to get that in from Germany. That's amazing. That's but amazing. That is, oh, we have to find if we can get it in the it's UK awful, somewhere. isn't it? It looks like a lollipop you'd buy at the seaside. Basically. It, basi- it basically does. It basically does. Oh, you can get it at Guitar Guitar in the UK. There you go, for 23000 and 23099 English pounds uh, wow. for a limited edition George Harrison... Rainbow painted monstrosity. <clears throat> um, yeah, and your and, uh, can sing. <laughs> Unbelievable, and I and I like George Harrison as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's like, absolutely yeah. brilliant. There you anyway, go. right, hey, 
Right, should we do a quick fire round? Uh, because we've added, I, I don't think we've added necessarily any value to our guitar uh, smarts listeners uh, this week, uh, but we've definitely had a good old man's rant about it. So should we do a quick fire round before we finish yeah. of of best artist signature guitars out there and where good value is to be had so that yes. we can thank, maybe redeem ourselves and add some value so that people can go and, and look at some of what we think might be definitely. some really good ones. Top three, definitely. top five, I don't know, just let's let's give people something. To, to go and be optimistic about. <laughs> okay, so number one for me, I've this is um, this is a, an electric guitar that's been out for the last few years, which I think is a fantastically good value guitar. That's a sig- signature instrument. It's the Fender Ed O'Brien Stratocaster mm-hmm. in Olympic White. Mm-hmm. So Ed O'Brien, the guitarist with Radiohead, right? Not not yep. somebody who's particularly you know quite a vir- virtuosic songwriter, and he is a good guitarist, mm. but mm. not somebody who'd consider a guitar hero. But I think that's a superb instrument. That's got a yeah. Fernandez Sustainer neck pickup. Ooh, it's got a nice, um, you know, Seymour Duncan JB Junior um, miniature humbucker in the bridge. It's a really lovely looking Strat. Um, so appointed with some interesting features, and it's nine hundred ninety nine quid, brand new. That's which good. is ridiculous, really, for a US Strat. You know, that's really good with a with a sustainer in it as well. That's brilliant. Yeah, sorry, I'm saying it's a US Strat. I don't know if it is. I'm, I must correct myself just in case it isn't. Um, it doesn't say where I'm looking at the moment, but yeah, um, that looks like a superb, absolutely even superb if that's a, Even if that's a Mexican-made one with a Fernanda sustainer in it <clears throat> and those yeah. appointments, that's still pretty decent value. Absolutely. Versatile instrument. Well worth a look there, I reckon. What about yourself? Next. Uh, so, so thing. well, yeah, <clears throat> I would say, I would echo what you said about the Clapton Strat. I think that is still good value for money. Um, and you can get them used uh, for a really reasonable price. I think it's hugely versatile. Um, yeah, your next one. Ooh, well, I'm going to have to uh, be completely and utterly predictable um, and hear groans all around from Guitar Smarts listeners. I'm going to point out the Music Man Sterling Luke LK100, um, the Steve Lukather signature instrument. Obviously, his his top-end signature instruments are quite expensive, but this one's, mm. again, 800 quid, basically. Ah, so you know, absolutely thousand dollars For, you know, a guitar with a, you know, a, a boost, push-push yeah. boost on the volume, pot, dual humbuckers, fantastic Music Man Trem system, beautiful flame maple top, Stunning guitar, absolutely. I think they're brilliant value for money. I don't. I mean, yes, the, his his actual Music Man genuine uh, genuine versions. I mean, the Sterling ones are so so damn good anyway. But the um, <clears throat> the regular ones that he uses, they are expensive. But oh my god, they are works of art, and they are so oh. beautifully made and finished. And yeah. you know that we're still talking about. You know, you can get it for three grand, which is, of mm. course, a considered purchase. That is definitely not something you, unless you're super, super yeah. rich, that you're just literally going to buy at the drop of a hat on, on, on impulse. <laughs> exactly. But, but it's still good value for money and a beautiful guitar. We're not talking about like we were five minutes ago. You know, twenty three grand or something. It's that's a, that's a good guitar. So I think the Music Man ones are, are really good. Um, where would I go uh, from there? I think. I'm hopeful that the Silver Sky is going to be good. I think the PRS uh, Santana guitars are really good value for money. Again, seven eight hundred pounds for some of those. I think they're they're great in terms of artist signature guitars. Uh, Ibanez again. I've you know I don't even own an Ibanez guitar, but I've set a few of them up. And I think this, if you're into Steve Vai, or even if you're not, some of the gem uh, Vai guitars are just such great value for money for what you get um, with those kind of uh, super wizard necks on them and the pickup appointments that sound great. They are really good 
uh, value. But Ibanez do a whole range of artist signature guitars. I was looking at one earlier today. Um, <clears throat> I think it was the Nita Strauss one. And, you know, it's 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 sub one thousand pounds, and it's a mm. it's a it's a really really good amount of guitar for the money. Um, so I think Ibanez do a great a great job at, at artist signature Incredible. guitars. Incredible. Again, they make a great range of guitars that um, you know hold those artist names, but are still within affordable reach for people who yeah. can't stretch to that top range of guitars. Um, yeah. yeah, Ibanez, just amazing manufacturer. Um, I've got one more as well to to throw in, and I think this is this is probably one of the best value guitars. Around I wonder the if it's going to be. The, I think it's going to be the same one that I'm going to. Go oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't recommend okay, go I don't know. So this is a this is the EVH. Oh. So Eddie Van Halen's range of yeah. instruments. Um, you know, rest in peace. Uh, this is the Wolfgang Standard. They do various colours, nice. but this is the one in striker red. Yeah. It's got a baked maple neck, baked maple fretboard, basswood body, uh, compound radius um, fretboard, 22 jumbo frets, an actual Floyd Rose locking trem, mm-hmm. direct mount, EVH humbuckers, uh, volume with treble bleed circuit, um, Three ways. So it's just a, a, it's an incredible rock machine. How much do yeah. you reckon? Uh, I think I know the answer to this one. I think it's less than fifteen hundred quid, isn't it? It's it's five hundred quid. What? Yeah, they do a, EVH do a range of they do some that are up at that price that have more. Yeah. You know, they have a curved or, or, yeah. or like a carved top. But this particular one, the Wolfgang Standard, the one I'm looking at at the moment, this one's in striker red, beautiful. Oh wow, beautiful, wow. deep and bright red, five hundred pounds. Oh, that's really a, good value. An absolute rock machine. Oh, that's really good. That's really yeah. good value for money. Well, that beats in terms of value. Uh, my last choice, um, but my last one is um, very polarizing mm-hmm. as a as a choice. But uh, I think definitely worth honourable mention, which is the Brian May signature red special. Oh, uh, right, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in in terms of uniqueness and in terms of a very specific tone you're going to get from a guitar, really specific appointments on the guitar yeah. that, you know, you're not going to find uh, in terms of, you know, seeing that every day on loads of other instruments. And it's £750. Oh. Uh, and what a great guitar. If you're a Queen fan, I think you are making a statement with that, clearly, yeah. which is you're a Queen fan. I don't think anyone who's not a Queen fan is going to rock around with one of those and i think even if you are a queen fan as a gigging guitarist you know you are making a statement playing one of those but it's a cool looking guitar and it sounds awesome and it's well made and it's and it's 750 quid i think good on good on you uh, uh, Brian May guitars for that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that is that, what a perfect place to leave it because that is the that's the ultimate signature guitar. <laughs> I've got actually. You just reminded me. My my lovely wife for Christmas bought me a book on the Red Special guitar, um, mm-hmm. uh, written by um, I forget the gentleman's name, but he's quite a renowned um, kind of guitar journalist. Worked for Guitarist Magazine for quite some time. Um, I should fact check that and, and drop the name in the intro when I record it but uh, it's a book all about that guitar and the the design process that Brian May and his dad went through to build that mm-hmm. guitar and mm-hmm. prototypes they did uh, I really you know I'd recommend anyone go out and buy this book I'll try and find a link to it and, and put it in the in the description but um, it, the, the process that they went through as engineers to build that guitar is utterly astounding it's no <laughs> surprise that he's still playing that original instrument to this day because uh, it's just an incredible bit of engineering such a great great guitar and the fact that you can buy something that is built to be just like that for sub a thousand pounds when 
Gibson are making Ace Freely 1959 Les Pauls <laughs> and they're still going for 20 grand. It's utterly astounding. Utterly okay. astounding. Point well made. to leave it. There oh, go. I've got to read that book. Point well made. Thanks, mate. Yeah. That, was a, that, no was, worries, buddy. that was a good chat. <laughs> well, mate, have a cracking week. Good luck tonight um, for your gig. Thanks. Thank yeah, you. Uh, you know, having a good drive there. Enjoy it. I hope it's going yeah. to go perfectly well and you doesn't rain all over your uh, over your fender amplifier. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. Yeah, thank you, mate. Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. I've got, uh, yeah, an equal amount of super excitement and anxiety just yeah. because it's you know I've not done this for a while now with lockdown and everything. Yeah, but yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. I can feel fantastic. Right, awesome, buddy. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not gigging, so I have nothing to report really. Other than I'm just going to sit at home and, and play a guitar probably, and just chill out, watch the football on Sunday. I've got an idea time. for you. Yeah. Why don't cool. you Why don't you grab um, your son's uh, painting uh, kit and his his paints and his brushes, and have a go on your strat and see if you can uh, see if you can do a George Harrison uh, replica, and, and we can we can stick it on internet and see how much money we can get for it. I reckon I reckon we'd get at least fifteen k for it, don't you? So. I'll speak to you next week. <laughs> that's, a, that's a firm no, then, is it? <laughs> no, thank you. All right. Fair enough. Do yeah. Maybe I'll buy a squire and do it. Who knows? <laughs> See you next week. Brilliant. Mate, have a cracking week. Enjoy it tonight. I'll speak to you next week. Yeah, cheers, buddy. Speak to you soon. All the best, mate. mate. Ta-da. Bye. Bye. That was another interesting conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Please come back next week for more. Remember to go and give us a rating or a review using those links in the show notes. And come and join us on our social media pages too. You know where they are. Have a great week. Come and join us again next week. Hold up. 